Relationships can either make or break you, especially the relationship to yourself, to the things that you believe in, into your immediate family. So if you want to learn more how to create meaningful relationships, especially during times of uncertainty and stress, and why relationships matter in your career and how to make meaningful connections, then this episode is for you. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Shared Diversity Podcast. My name is Sina Port, brand communicator, content artist, and author. And each week, I introduce you to an amazing person, story, or message to help you empower yourself in your career and life. On here, you can find exclusive interviews with successful businesswomen where we discuss topics around business, branding, and womanhood. And if you'd like to see the video version of this or any other episodes, go and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn on Shared Diversity and myself at Sinaport, so you can join giveaways and learn more about building a personal brand and career. Today, I talk with Sahra Aljabri, and she's a relationship and spiritual mindset coach, and we talked about the importance of relationships in your life and your career, and what mindset shifts you should adapt to become a stronger version of yourself in every aspect of your life. We also talked about the meaning of intimacy and how to create true intimacy and make sure that your relationships are safe, especially in times of stress and the lockdown, and how you can become better in managing your relationships in the most positive way. She also shared with us her secrets into getting into coaching and starting a career in coaching. So if you're interested in that kind of content, I really enjoyed the conversation with Sahra. Let's get into it. And if you found something especially interesting about our conversation, share it with us, an idea, a mindset shift, a quote, share it with us on Instagram at Share Diversity. You can tag Sahra and me at Sina Michelle Port and Sahra at Z for Sahra. And if Instagram is not your thing, find us on LinkedIn or Twitter at Share Diversity Podcast. Tag us and share with your network an idea what you really found outstanding from what we talked about. Alhamdulillah, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. How do I pronounce your name? Zahra. Zahra. Okay, perfect. Alhamdulillah. Um, okay, so for beginners, uh, those uh, who don't know you yet, could you introduce yourself in 30 seconds? Um, sure, yes. So my name is Zahra Al-Jabri. I'm a spiritual um, mindset coach for people who are looking to achieve next level success. And um, what I do is I focus on making the shift in how we view ourselves, how we view Allah and how we view others to be able to really unlock the abundance and peace and support that is available and all around us, um, but that we tend to block. And that's what I do. Nice. So how did you get actually into um, what you do right now? What was the intention behind building your brand and also, you know, building your personal brand, but also creating, you know, practical Muslim online? What was the intention? Yeah. Um, so I kind of had a windy road to get here. I started out um, as an attorney and then I became an entrepreneur with a fashion company. Um, and then I got uh, get, got here to coaching. And so... Um, in all of those kind of roles, I've always had the position of um, working with people and advising them and supporting them through the different challenges that they're going through and helping them get to from A to B. And um, coaching has kind of just naturally been within me and I kind of was resisting it for a while. So when I finally decided to like, you know what, like this is what I'm feeling um, 
is my best way to contribute to the world and to support people and what really gets me energized and excited wanting to come on podcasts and talk about it is um is spiritual coaching so i'm just going to do it and as i was thinking about okay like where am i positioning myself in the market what do i feel my value is and what came to me really was the the practicality the practical applicable way that i um was able to internalize Islam for myself so that I could practice it and really benefit from all of the Islamic knowledge and teachings that we have um, and my ability to be able to translate that for others and help guide others through that process. And so I was th- when I was brainstorming and thinking of names, like Practical Muslim came to me and someone already owned the URL and the Instagram handle. Um, and I was like, oh, so bummed. And I was like trying to think of other things. And then I was like, let me just reach out and ask like if they'd be willing to sell it. And um, Hamdullah, you know, he, uh, it was a he, he wasn't using it yet. And he was like, oh, I have plans for it. Um, but what do you want it for? And I explained to him my whole vision. And he's like, that sounds better than what I was going to do with it. I'll sell it to you. And so Hamdullah, I really feel like, you know, that um, that that website, that handle, like really uh, applies to mm-hmm. my approach. And um, I felt really supported by Allah to be able to to get to get the handle, to get the URL. And that's a big piece of my branding that I really want it to stand out that these are practical. This is not just coaching based on um, based on, you know, just, you know, Western or um, secular kind of just psychology and science. And it's also not um, religious in the sense of like going to a sheikh and, you know, what I found always lacking with their telling you like, just pray more or, you know, you need to fast yes. or just be kind or yes. bear it yes. with patience. And you're like, okay, like I've been patient, like tell me something else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I think a lot of times we always get this theoretical knowledge and like these th- theoretical tips that people just throw around um, without really internalizing, you know, how does this apply to every single, you know, unique experience. So I, I really love that um, that part of your work. Okay, so I, w- I want to talk about, you're talking about the mindset and, uh, you know, applying your knowledge and, and applying that into your daily life and the importance of mindset. So when was like the moment in life when you figured out that mindset is so important and that you had to create something for yourself, but that you also wanted to create for someone else? Like where was that mindset shift that brought you to what you're doing right now? Um, yeah, for me, it started with um, learning about the law of attraction. I'm not sure if any of your yes. listeners okay, are familiar. Yeah, but maybe so. you, can, you can talk a little bit more about it, what it is. Sure. So there's this film on Netflix called The Secret, and it kind of um, popularized this notion of the law of attraction. And when I watched it about, I guess, like five years ago now, um, the main message of The Secret is it tells you, to ask for what you want, believe that you can have it, and then receive it, like open yourself up to receiving it. And when I heard that, and it's just, it's an hour and a half long video explaining, ask, believe, receive um, from all of these, you know, Western people and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that is literally the formula of dua. Like Allah tells us that that's how to make a dua. Ask me for what you want, you know, believe and don't say that like, oh, I didn't get what I wanted. Like believe that Allah can do it for you. And then, you know, Allah says all of your du'a is answered, like, oh, get open to and you don't you may not know how it's going to come. It might be delayed or it might look like in a different form. Right. So you have to be able to receive it. So um, I was just completely my mind was like completely shattered. I was like, 
all of these, you know, non-Muslims are using dua to manifest the things that they want in their life right now. Yeah. Whereas as a Muslim, I had been told to use dua like, but, you know, you mostly probably will get it in Jannah. Like, don't have high hopes, you know, for, you know, getting a fancy car, having a luxury vacation or especially worldly things. Right. Don't have high yeah. hopes for that. Inshallah, you'll get it in Jannah. Don't worry. Um, and, and so that was the first thing that kind of shifted my mindset. I was like, oh my gosh, like dua can be applied to like fulfill and achieve and be as a tool for me as I'm progressing in my career and my work and my family to get those results that I want now. And then I came across a Muslim program called Visionaire run by Muhammad al-Sharif. Um, he has a pro, uh, a whole series called Life by Dua. Um, and it do- dove more into that. And then there was that first kind of main mindset shift where he was like, you've got to believe that Allah is on your side and he wants you to be successful. And just that in and of itself, like just bringing that to the consciousness, because, you know, if you asked me, like, um, what do you think of Allah? I would say, like, oh, Allah is merciful. You know, he's all knowing. Mm-hmm. He's all, you know, um, all loving and all of those things. But subconsciously and deep within me, I had this notion um, I had the mindset that um, Allah was against me, that like, oh, he's punishing me. That's why I haven't achieved, you know, whatever I, uh, I'm i trying to achieve or because I missed Fajr or because, you know, I, I oh, didn't return okay. my mom's phone call. Like, yeah. that's why, you know, I didn't get that thing or this mm-hmm. thing keeps coming up for me. Subconsciously, in little ways, I was like, OK, I'm not really a good enough Muslim. And that's why I'm not getting what I want. And the and the the mindset I had was that um, Allah is punishing me, right? Like, because you're not a good enough Muslim. But where um, do you so, think that mindset came from? I think that um, for me, I grew up uh, in the United States, in, um, in California, um, going to Sunday school. And I think the, um, the community, um, and as I've spoken, most of my clients are in the U.S. I've spoken to most of the Muslim community in the U.S. We just have kind of internalized this notion that, like, we need to be, you know, doing all that we can, striving for, and whatever we're doing, like, there's always more to do. So you're not, you're never really, like, you know, even if you're praying all five prayers, well, you can pray sunnah. You're praying sunnah, pray to hajjah. You did it, like, there's always more to make you better. Um, so you never felt, like, that you were that good. Um, and then you just have those internal feelings, like you get, I'd get jealous or I'd become angry or I'd like, and if I'm a good Muslim, I'm not supposed to have those feelings. So I'm not good. Um, and then, you know, just the normal things of being a human, that you're lazy, that, you know, you get into a disagreement with your mom or your sibling and then just feeling but compounded upon that feeling that you're violating the religion. And so I think that for me is how it kind of seeped in that, like, well, because I'm not um, good in that way, then how can I expect to have all of the blessings that Allah, you know, is saying is available and is there for me? And so the key mindset shift that I had to, that I went through that literally transformed my life was that um, Allah, you know, Allah is, is not judging us it, during our lifetime in that way. He's not petty with us in that way. Allah's mercy des- descends and is available to everyone, Muslim or non-Muslim alike, um, 
and it's it's all encompassing and he knows that we're human and that we're going to make mistakes and that we're going to sin and that we're going to forget and that like he already knows that so he's not punishing us for being human he's just wants us to always remember him and come back to him that's all he wants right that's all he's telling us to do worship me remember me make vicar that's what he Allah is constantly reminding us and again it's not even for him it's because we need to remember because otherwise you'll feel like I did you'll feel like the Allah's against you and you'll feel bad and I can't do this and that but when I remember that oh my gosh Allah is not against me and he is all loving and he's all merciful okay so this obstacle I'm facing or that thing I'm confronting it's just you know it's just a, a, a something in my path that I need to maneuver um and I can maneuver it feeling supported as opposed to like oh feeling like I'm trudging against the whole world like oh I'm you know whatever it is I'm trying to you know be a coach and oh no one's returning my calls oh god maybe I'm not supposed to do it oh other people can be successful but not me as opposed to like okay no one's returning my calls what is it that I need to um, reconsider or think about or what's the lesson that Allah's trying to show me or illuminate for me okay find it identify it and move in that direction now feeling like all right I'm 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 here I'm it's it's a relationship. Me and Allah are together working like I'm guiding you down the path. Oh, you you missed something here. Pay attention. Okay. All right. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. too many times we take things personally, right? We 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 say like you said, "Oh, this is not working out. This is a sign." And I think a lot of times especially we Muslims, we get so suspicious when there's like we try something new and then one thing is in our way and we think, "Oh, that's a sign. It's not good for me." You know, like I should follow the signs and just do something else because this is not working. But we might just think, for me at least, the things that I have achieved that really have transformed my life and that brought me to the next version of myself were the ones that didn't come easy and where there were tests in between to, you know, I think I was tested to know whether I really, really wanted it because if you're not all in, you are going to step away with the first obstacle that is coming in your way. So mm -hmm. too many times we see things that go wrong as signs for us to give up or as signs that we are not good enough or as signs that, you know, we are not made for this life. And it's just another way, like it's just a part of the of the journey. Like you wouldn't, yeah. my father actually said something which which I love. I love this quote from my father. He said, success are all the that success is the sum of all the mistakes you only do once so you're mm -hmm. going to make mistakes you're going to fail like they're part of the process just make sure that you only make them once because there are going to be a million other mistakes waiting for you to step over for you to come to that you know end result to that success mm -hmm. um so i, I, I love, love that <laughs> yeah it's it's always reminding me um, so I love that actually you brought um, from you came from the mindset to the relationship, right? So you are also a relationship coach and you go a lot into like t different types of relationships. Can you give us a little bit an overview of, you know, what types of relationships um, one should look out for and mm -hmm. how, you know, how you go about relationship coaching? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I wanted to touch on something that you said, like, oh, the first obstacle. And I think that's another thing in our kind of notion that we believe it's going to be easy, right? Because mm -hmm. we're Muslim, because we're believers, because we're praying. So it should be easy, 
right? So when we face any kind of hardship, we're like, oh, it's not easy. Like, I have to do all this work. Like, uh, yeah, maybe it's not meant for me. When really, like, Allah never said it was going to be easy. Yeah, he just yeah. said, um, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here with you. I'm supporting you and all of those things. But just think of all the prophets and how um, difficult and challenging their uh, path was, even though they were, they they knew that they were going to reach some level of success or victory in the end, but it was still very hard. It's not yeah. just because you have a lot, it's going to be easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, to answer your question. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and also um, on that part, I'm always thinking about, you know, if it would be easy, everyone would do it. Right. And then would it be worth your time and effort? Like, would you really want it if everyone else has it too? Mini break. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And today I want to highlight one of your beautiful reviews. Thank you again so much for taking the time to jump on social media or to jump on iTunes and just rating us, talking about us and sharing with the world what it means to you to listen to this podcast. Today's review is from Zara and she writes, My Sunday morning walk was made so much better by Sina Port's podcast. She shares her 22 favorite mental health routines. I really like the list because most of her ideas are outside of what would typically considered something to do for your mental well-being. Some of her tips are things I already do regularly like going for walks in nature, others I should do more often like taking care of my plants and some others I might try this week like splits training. Thank you so much Sarah for your beautiful review and don't forget if you haven't yet reviewed our podcast on iTunes, it really helps us to get your rating both for the algorithm so that more people find us and get value out of our content. And of course, it gives me a lot of energy to hear how you found the content that I put out and to understand how I can create more content that is valuable to you. Now, let's get back to the episode. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole crux of kind of Islam. Islam is a very simple religion. Um, you know, gain mastery over yourself, uh, over your ego, over your nafs. Um, very simple, but extremely difficult to do. Extremely difficult. You know, we're in Ramadan. Yes. As soon as you break fast, like you're telling yourself, I'm just going to eat one plate of food. I'm going to eat one plate of food. And can you resist your nafs? Like, well, we really haven't eaten all day. I know yeah. your stomach shrunk and you're already kind of full, but look at that other dessert and that over there. Let's just eat them anyways, because we have to fast again. Let's just eat them. Like to control our nafs, like we're not hungry, right? You know, your stomach shrunk during Ramadan. Like you can only eat a few things, but you just keep eating and that's your nafs. So Islam is just that simple message, gain mastery over yourself and remember Allah. Um, and it's so hard. It's so difficult. And so it's important to for us to realize that it will be difficult. And that's the same thing that applies in relationships, right? So if you think about romantic relationships um, is the first thing that usually comes to mind. But um, especially in our society, in our culture, it's like, oh, well, if we love each other, like, it's going to be easy. So that same type of philosophy seeps in that, okay, we have good chemistry, and we love each other. And then, oh, we got into a disagreement, or oh, we have to actually compromise and work out like that, you know, he wants to live in the suburbs, and I want to live in the city, like, uh, this is like, it's supposed to be easy. We love each other. It should just be easy. Like, you know, you should just want to live where I want to live. What's going on, you know? Um, and to realize that, no, just love is not enough. Um, you have to do the hard work. You have to engage in those um, conversations. You have to be honest. You have to be open. So the relationship um, 
piece, why I love to start there is because with that mindset shift, that me understanding and knowing that Allah is on my side, that changed the relationship that I had with Allah. And then the next relationship to look at is the relationship with yourself, because um, the person that you spend the most time with and the most time talking to is yourself. You're yeah. in your head, constant chatter going on about da, 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 what did I do? I should have done that. Oh, my gosh. Da, 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 blah, blah, blah. Constant chatter. We're talking to ourselves. So we have to build this relationship with ourselves. Right. We're looking outside um, for for any other of our other relationships, our parents, our romantic, our friends, we want them to be nice to us. We want them to respect us. We want them to say thank you when we do something for them. We want them to appreciate all of our efforts. We want all of these things from other relationships. But then with ourselves, we are not thankful to ourselves. We're not kind to ourselves. We're not respectful to ourselves. We're like um, berating ourselves. Oh my God, you're so dumb. How did you forget this? Zahra, you're supposed to da da da, whatever, you know, like whatever it is, we're just beating up ourselves. Um, we made a mistake five, 10 years ago. We'll still, when we remember it, can't forgive ourselves. Like, how could you have done that? How could you have done that? You can't forgive yourself. And so our own relationship with ourselves is that second, is the, is the next critical piece to, to be our own best friend and best lover and change the self-talk that um, is supportive. Like, it's okay, Zahra, you just made a mistake. Like, keep moving forward. All right. You know, I'm going to forgive myself for that thing. You know, Allah tells us, like, when you ask me for forgiveness, I will forgive you, right? Sincerely ask for forgiveness, I'll forgive you. So Allah's forgiven us for these things that we've asked him for. But then we still haven't forgiven ourselves. So we don't even get the benefit of, like, Allah's, like, erased it from our books. Alhamdulillah, it's gone. But we don't get the benefit of experiencing that because we're still holding on to it. And, and so and it's so almost pointless. That, that you are talking to yourself in a way that, you would never talk to anyone else. And I've heard this uh, one uh, thought that just changed everything. Every time I'm, I'm talking to myself, I'm thinking about that. Would you be with a person or would you have a friend that speaks to you like you speak to yourself? Or mm -hmm. would you already have moved on? And you probably would have moved on. And if, if not, you probably should. Like the, it's just <laughs> so much toxic, like the toxic relationships that we always speak about most of them i feel come from ourselves like on the, the way we speak with ourselves and like you say we never like i feel i always have i always have this the self-talk of maybe these things are over but you haven't you know you have done this wrong and this and you could have done this better and you just keep going on and going the on what ifs mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean, it's it's something we all struggle with, right? It's a combination of our of our nafs, our ego. Our ego is very um, insecure and afraid mm -hmm. and worried. And so it thinks it has to keep track of all of these things. It thinks like for you to be better, it has to remind you of how you've been bad, yes. <laughs> yeah. right? It but just like, yeah, it compares. But just like, you know, if you were, you know, helping a young, uh, a younger child, like with their math homework, um, and they came to you and like, this math homework is so hard. You wouldn't sit there and be like, oh my God, how come you can't figure this out? You're so dumb. Like, didn't the teacher teach you this? You weren't listening in class. Da, da, da. Like that child's not going to do the math homework. They're like, okay, fine. Like, or they're away crying. Like, leave me alone. Like, okay, I'll figure it out. Um, you know that if a child came to you, you'd be like, okay, let's see what it is. All right. It's similar to last week. And you were able to do that problem. And this week is just a different variation. You're doing really good. Da, da, da. And you would 
coach them and help them and be kind to them. And they would feel empowered and confident, like, okay, yeah, I did do it. Great. Thank you. I'll go and do the rest. Um, And that same way that we talk, we would know how to talk to a child. We have to talk to that way to ourselves that we think that like, okay, you know, I'm always running late. So don't run late. You remember you were late last time. Don't be late this time. That that's going to make me be like, yes, I'm going to be late. It just makes me like, oh, God, it's true. I'm always late. I'll never be able to change. Like, what's the point? And I'll slip. Become that person. Exactly. So it's a it's a it's a mistake in our thinking. Right. It's wrong thinking that we have to. We, we have to consciously shift out of because even just as a whole community society, we all lean towards this negative thinking. So you have to do the hard work of catching yourself, becoming aware, then catching yourself and then telling yourself something different. Like, OK, today I'm going to be on time. I know I can do it. I've been on time before. It's going to be all right. Like and even if I'm a few minutes late, I know they'll be understanding of me. You know, that thing, these things happen to everyone. It's just a different tone and conversation that you have with yourself Um, and to realize that you have um, capacity to change that conversation. Sometimes like that voice just seems like it's just truth Mm -hmm. and it's just coming at us. Like that's just the truth. And we are like, Oh God. Um, But it's just, it's just an opinion. It's just, just because it happens to be in your head doesn't mean that it's true and doesn't mean that it's you. It's just an opinion and you can change it and you can talk back to it and you can fight against it. So what do you think, how important or what is the importance lie of relationships in your life and your career? Because if we have a lot of women um, who are businesswomen, who are ambitious and who want to achieve a lot, right? whether that is in their career or whether that is building a business. So where do you think relationships and like the different kinds of relationships you were talking about come into into that? Yeah, I mean, relationships are really where um, where Allah um, gives us a chance to show and practice uh, what we've learned. Right. So. Even the notion that, you know, a marriage is half of your faith is because in marriage, you're going to be tested on all of the, are, are you really patient? Do you really know how to <coughs> control your anger? Um, you know, are you actually compassionate so and true. empathetic? <laughs> because those people close to you, right, are the ones that you, we tend to you know, for example, if you're going to the grocery store, you're going to be patient with the person that's taking forever checking out. You might be a little bit annoyed, but you're not going to snap at them. You're not going to yell at them. You're just going to be like, all right, okay, they're gone. All right, my turn. But you know, when you're, I have four children, when my child comes in, asks me the same thing for a third time, do I, am I snapping at her or am I still patient? Um, You know, and my husband tells, you know, makes, does the same thing that annoys me. Am I patient or am I whatever? Right. And so, um, what we know is like from the Prophet ﷺ, like the people that reported on his character, on his amazing character, you know that he was generous and kind and compassionate and patient. Those people who reported that to us were his family. His family was the one saying that that's what he's like. For us, you can go ask all my neighbors, all my friends, all my coworkers. They'll tell you I'm amazing. I'm wonderful. If you want to ask my family, I'll be like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Hold on. Can I bribe them with something? Because it's a whole different ballgame at home. Those close relationships are when you test and you have a chance to show for yourself and for Allah, am I compassionate? Am I patient? Am I, do I have control of my temper? 
Um, and they're so critical because if you're able to master it in these close relationships, like Allah says, like, don't remove the ties of the family because it is your classroom. This is your class. You don't get to choose who they are. These are the people who are going to trigger you in all sorts of ways. And when you're able to like not get triggered by them, you are like, you're, you're excelling in that class. Right. Yeah. And so that's why I tell us don't break. Good analogy. And, and yeah. Analogy. Yeah. Because you, I, I see that a lot of times when I um, work with people who have a lot of siblings, they mm -hmm. are very good at negotiating who, you know, priorities and like managing. So they learned from like sibling fights to be able to, you know, negotiate expectations and to make sure, you know, everyone gets along because you get, you, you learn it at home. And then also I feel in a, in a marriage, but also with your friends or with your siblings and with your parents, there's a lot of things that you can learn that you can apply in your career or in your daily life. Negotiations, you know, like getting, mm -hmm getting something what you want by giving someone else what they want or mm -hmm. finding finding a way in between or even if it's just time management that you can learn with like relationships at home or being able to create something with a person that has very different viewpoints or experiences or strengths and skills because you are like with a relationship I feel it's always me finding myself within a team like within mm -hmm. collaborating mm -hmm. and um, yeah. Yeah, even... they're going to push up against you and show you where, what do you actually stand for? Do yes. you agree with this or do you have your own thought? And that, um, uh, you know, that opportunity arises from having someone to, to, to spar with, right? Spar with, Cause, yeah. Yeah, because on your own, you might think, I believe in this, I think that. And then when it, you know, really comes up against something else, that's when you have you have an opportunity to be like, okay, is that true? Do I really stand for yeah. this? Is it something different? Do I need to clarify? And you get, um, you get to 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 see what what else is within you, right? Or you find out that like this is what I said, but then when they gave me what I said, or when they agreed or disagreed or whatever how it came up, like I, you know, I react. I felt a certain way. I felt annoyed or angry yes. or shocked or yeah. whatever. And like, okay, why am I feeling that way? And Again, another opportunity to discover like you're you think you think one way, but what actually it is, you know, is something else. And it only arises by um, being in that relationship and, and those familial relationships, um, just like you, you're saying, like that's how you can learn so much about yourself and you'll carry it through to to any other um, place that you go and especially in the workplace and things like that. I think another point of relationships and how they matter is that you said actually you could ask your neighbor or your colleagues and they would say something about you but when you they ask your family right you will be anxious because they will actually stand up for you know representing who you really are so mm -hmm. a lot of things that we talk a lot of times what we talk about here on this channel is personal branding and mm -hmm representing to yourself to the world and being known for the person you are right and your family knows I feel more than anyone who you are and what you represent to the world right so but not only the family but any kind of relationships that you hold the people that you meet in your daily life the people that you work with collaborate with they also make up your personal brand like the people you gather around you they represent you 
Mm-hmm. What what do they say? You're only as good as the company you keep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I also feel on the flip side, the company you keep makes you feel about yourself a certain way. Mm-hmm, like when you mm-hmm. have people who are sloppy around you or they are not they they might be, you know, they not they might not embody the values that you want to embody. They that mm-hmm. will reflect on you and that will reflect on the way that you see yourself as well. So actually how I a lot of times changed my environment or changed myself was by changing the closest people around me and be able to understand, is this really the person that I want closest to me or who around me knows me the best and why is that the case? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, yeah. And to also expand that, to think about that it doesn't have to even be people physically close to you, you know? Like, that's why we're told to study the seerah of the Prophet and all of the Prophets and why the Qur'an is mostly stories of the Prophet to, like, bring these characters close to us, close to us in understanding who they were, what they went through, how they handled things, um, because you can be close to a dead person. You can be close to someone, you know, a mentor who lives in another country that you're following their work, following them on social media, that you're absorbing those things for them from them. So to just keep that notion in mind that your proximity and who you want to be close to with, you don't have to just be limited by who's just around in my neighborhood, right? Um, that you can say, like, I want to be, you know, associated and known for, um, you know, one of my, you know, mentors that she doesn't know that she's mentoring me is Sarah Blakely, um, the founder of Spanx. Um, And I just um, love her personality, her approach. She's very spiritual. um, And it and I read, you know, what every whatever I can get at my hands on about her, I study it and I feel I feel like she's someone that I'm close to. And so the more that you are identifying clearly, like you say, like, like, what are the characteristics I want to embody? What do I want to be known for? Who do I want to be seen as my peers? Um, and you are keeping them in, in your mind and paying attention to what you do. That will naturally um, be what comes out of you, because that is where your where your focus and your attention is on is around being like them. And you will um subconsciously and consciously mold yourself to be more like them so it is important to think and consider who who like you're saying like be very mindful of this um of this branding um process as as a brand but also just as as a person you're naturally doing that anyways you're naturally getting and learning information about people all the time and who do you want to learn more about yeah and it's the fallacy to think that you need to know your mentors like you say she doesn't even know that she's my mentor this mm-hmm. happens a lot of times you know get the books of the people they don't need to know you you know consume your their content study their life you know watch all the documentaries ab- about their biography or follow them online it doesn't really matter wh- whether they know you or whether you can meet them in person mm-hmm. or will ever meet them or where they are already gone just make sure that you familiarize yourself with their lives and with their personality, like you say. And it's so important and so beautiful to study a personality, actually, because you can get to know their, you know, their mindset just by studying their life and what they put out in the world. I think that's, yeah, it's that's true. And you are developing a relationship. You you are. Um, and, you know, for, for me, sometimes I even consider like, 
you know, you, you know, they have those, they used to have that whole saying, like, what would Jesus do? But I do think like, what would the Prophet Sallallahu do? Like, what would Sarah Blakely do in this situation, you know, in this business situation or in that spiritual situation? Um, because once you gain, you know, a certain amount of information about them, you can, you can gather or guess about what they might do. And that can help you that can be comforting to you to figure out what you need to do. Uh, and it's a tool, it's a resource, right? And all of these things, like Allah provides them to us as examples, as opportunities, right? Allah has has everything, um, shows us things in contrast, right? He shows us um, good and bad so that we can delineate and distinguish what are the things that we that we are liking and not liking, right? Like when you, even if like you were saying like, oh, I want to get a house, Right. You'll be presented with a whole different bunch of housing options so that you can delineate, oh, no, actually, you know, I want a one story by the beach, blah, blah, blah. Like, it'll become more and more specific as, like, you get presented with it. Oh, here's a house over here on a hill. Here's a house, you know, that's on a farm, whatever. And you have to um, refine more and more. Yeah, yeah. So two things. First, let's go into the relationship side. Uh, so right now with the lockdown... Everyone's a little tense, you know, whether you have your family or your spouse or your kids or whoever around, it's it's been difficult because you you need to find your space and you need to like be in a right mindset and things are a little crazy. And even though we all want to hustle because we are at home and like things are getting, um, you know, exciting online, there's a lot of content you can consume. It's still a very stressful time. So what do you like? What are tips that you can give to anyone who's especially someone who is both juggling family or um, marriage and their work and how can they make sure that their relationships don't suffer or even become better and more intimate by the way what is yeah. your definition of intimacy I think that's a very interesting um oh sorry um yeah okay so definition of intimacy is um connecting in a deep way that you really feel supported um, and, and able to be vulnerable and honest and open and be able to share things that, you know, you might be worried or scared about sharing that you feel that I can share that and know that this person is not going to turn away from me, right? That they, um, that they will be able to hear me and still see the whole me without like getting me defined by this, whatever it is that I need to share. Um, so that's how I would define intimacy. And then I would say that as as we're in this situation um, of lockdown and, you know, our whole lives just been kind of uh, shifted into a, a different mode of living. Um, the number one thing I could say is boundaries is to re-examine your boundaries because they have just gotten messed up. Right. So like if you were working outside of the home and now you're working in the home, um, you have to figure that out. So boundaries in all sorts of areas, right? Boundaries around around work. How many hours am I going to be committing to work? Boundaries around um, news media, right? Because the news is telling us, uh, is just a constant stream of negativity. So you need to set up a boundary. How much news are you going to consume from what sources and, you know, about what? Oh, I just want to know, you know, how many new cases there have been of corona, or I just want to know... Um, what the new regulations are for when I'll be able to, uh, you know, to, to not wear a mask or go to a grocery store. Make some kind of clear information that you feel is important and relevant to your life and, 
and get your news around that information. Don't go down the rabbit hole of just listening to just whatever comes on CNN or, or whatever you listen to. So oh, news so the boundaries. Of that, right? When mm -hmm. do you consume it? Is it when the first thing that you it? see in the morning? Yes, yes. Establishing new routines, right? In addition to the boundaries is a new routine. Um, but social media boundaries, like you said, everyone is online and that's how you connect now Zoom online and then social media networks and everyone doing lives and this and that. Set your boundaries. What is it that I'm going to connect, you know, for this much amount of time with these different people? Um, again, with boundaries with your kids. You know, for me, um, I, I was working from home before, but things are different now that we, my kids don't have other outside activities to go to. Um, and so what are those boundaries look like? And so all, in all of this, you first have to have that conversation with yourself of what do I need? What am I going to need to um, feel confident and feel supported in this time? And a boundary around your own personal self-care, right? Your own personal self-care routine probably has shifted. If you were working out at a gym, right? You can't do that anymore. So what is it? I'm going to go for runs. I'm going to, you know, do at-home workouts. I'm going to ride my bike. Decide what each of these things are and then make a, a schedule or a, a routine around them. And then enroll the relationships in your life that are going to depend on that. So if you have a spouse or your children or if you're with your parents, you know, I, I'm living with my parents right now, enroll them being like, this is what I'm going to be doing from now on, you know, from now on, I'm going to be taking a walk at five with my friends, we're six feet apart, um, you know, and um, in the morning, I do such and such and whatever. So you guys can negotiate it and know that these are the new boundaries. And um, because if you don't state them explicitly, right? Either old notions of how things used to be were, are going to try and prevail or other people's boundaries, um, what other people want from you is going to uh, encroach on you, right? Because you are the one who has to hold the line on a boundary. And especially for women, right? We tend to kind of concede and, okay, they need more from me. They need this from me. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I can do it. Okay. And then we always are thinking that like, someone's going to give us permission, right? Like my husband's going to be, be like, okay, why don't you go for a walk and take two hours off for yourself? Like, no, that's not going to happen. I have to be like, I'm taking two hours. I need two hours. I've I'm done with the kids. Like it's your turn. So you have to set it. You can't wait for someone to give you permission. Like your boss is going to say, yes, yes, that's enough. Go home now. Stop working. Like you're going to, you have to say, I know I'm working from home. I know I'm available all the time on my phone, but after six, I'm not responding or after five or whatever, before nine, I'm not responding. You have to set it. Um, because, and then you have to enforce it. And the first couple of times you're like, I'm so, remember I said, I'm not going to do that, or this is what I am doing, whatever, whatever, it might be awkward and uncomfortable, but that's the part of you that has to, um, you have to activate, you have to activate that, that you're worth it and you're deserving of it. And there's nothing wrong with setting your boundaries. Um, again, this is, um, prophetic, you know, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu was the most compassionate, generous um, person there was. And people would come to him for advice, want to sit with him, want to be with him. Everyone wanted to be with him. He was an amazing person. Um, and there's a story in the Quran of like people who came over and then like they didn't leave. And Allah had to reveal a verse like the Prophet might be shy to tell you to leave, but I am not shy. Like after a certain amount of time, like that's it. Get out of his house. Like, you know, go home. He's got to sleep. He's got to see would be with his wife, his children. Like you got to go. And so um, 
even, you know, you, we can never accuse the prophet of not serving community or being about people. He was, of course, doing that, but he still had to have a boundary. And when he was struggling to set it, Allah set it for him. So setting your boundary is an Islamic, you know, right practice that when you say, I need this time for myself to do exercise, to meditate, to pray, whatever it is, um, you are supported in that. You are supported by God in doing what you need to do to maintain sanity and order and peace in your own personal um, mind and space. And uh, especially, again, especially for women, we tend to have this self-sacrificing um, notion that we're just supposed to give in and give up our, our whole life for everyone else. And that's not the case, that even the Prophet ﷺ, who was a mercy for the world, his whole life was for all of us, had to have boundaries. So we can have them too. You're not being selfish. You are being even more selfless by taking care of yourself. You have more to give. When you just run to burnout, you know what happens. Like, that's it. You're depleted. So um, boundaries right now is the number one thing to to work on, to establish, um, even with, you know, we're talking to more people on the phone, if people are calling their parents on their phone and, you know, their parents want them to talk to them every day or something, to set a boundary. I'm going to call you every other day or I'm going to call you every day, but I can only talk for 20 minutes. And, you know, on the weekends, I can talk for an hour or whatever whatever the thing is to be able to, to say it, to stand up for it and then to enforce it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. The one of the last questions I want to ask is you got into relationship coaching. And I know a lot of women are uh, out there interested in coaching and consulting other people. So how actually did you get into your coaching career? How was that journey been? Um, yeah, I getting into my coaching career, I transitioned from doing something else. So it was, um, I made the intention and wanted to embark on that new journey. And I was worried about making that t transition. And I was said, I am a coach, I can coach people, but I had never coached anyone. And so I met with a whole bunch of other coaches to give me advice on what to do. And one, um, one coach gave me the best advice. She was like, reach out to your network and ask them for help. So I reached out to my network and I said, I am um, starting a coaching practice. And in order to start, I need to be coaching people. So if anyone will sign up for a free coaching session, it will really be to help me um, establish my practice and presenting it in that way as that the, they were helping me as opposed to like, hey, I'm a coach. I can help you. Do you need help with something or what's wrong in your life? And I can tell you and fix you. It was not that it was like, I'm trying to do this, but I can't do it unless, you know, someone comes talk to me. Will you would you help me and you know, and have this conversation, have a coaching session with me. And I got um, 60 people to sign up wow. that she had told me to try and get 15. Um, and like the response was like so many. So alhamdulillah. So that's how I, I started. Um, so and yeah, you're doing and then one -on -one, or do you have also online programs? I do both. I do one on one coaching um, only for select clients. Um, I focus my one on one on really on high achieving individuals who are really looking to bust through that next level of success. Um, and then I do uh, a course, a relationship course, um, and I'm working on perhaps another type of program that I haven't launched yet for um, for anyone who's interested in, they can sign up for this course. Those courses have live components where I'm talking, uh, meeting with them live and other pre-recorded components. 
Um, and then I also have all my resources on my website, practicalmuslim.com. I have the blog there that has articles. I write daily Islamic devotionals that are really um, powerful affirmations of truth that can totally help you remember and hold Allah in that positive view and even help with your own negative self-talk. Um, and I'm working on a book for that. So um, you can pre-order a, a PDF that will support me to write the whole book. Um, and that's also on my website, practicalmuslim.com. Um, and yeah, and on Instagram, at practicalmuslim is where I also s share resources and um, um, knowledge and tips and do lives and all of those things that are available to anyone. Yeah. So what are like top five tips or something for someone who wants to get into coaching or also into selling online programs and consulting people on any kind of topic? Um, the number one tip is to just go do it. Find someone to coach. Don't worry about a website and a thing and a thing. Call up, you know, whoever or send an email to, you know, 10 uh, acquaintances. I'm doing coaching and the same type of thing. And I really need to talk to someone um, to be able to, you know, build up my practice. Would anyone like a free coaching session? And just no, start doing it. No one's going to free anyways. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to say no. And then you're going to also understand, like, you know, people are coming to you with uh, career challenges or parenting challenges or relationship challenges. And you're going to start to see, oh, I really enjoy doing this. Or I feel like I can support people more here. And you'll, you'll begin to um, know where you want to focus and what you want to do or the type of people. Is it millennials? Is it baby boomers? Is it, you know, um, is it men? Is it women? Is it whatever it is will come from, you'll, you'll get a clue by who responds to you, who ends up approaching you. And you'll get a clue from when they share with you your, their issue. If you're like, oh my God, like, let me help you. Or if you're like, I don't know, I don't think I can help you with that. It'll help you refine, um, how and who you want to coach okay so first offer free um coaching sessions and how do you then go into the monetizing phase to go into monetizing is um that's your own internal um mindset work that you have to do um, but look around at the market at what you think what you see is going on and then understand how much work it's going to be for you and what amount you're going to need to feel that you have been appropriately compensated because um especially for women especially as service providers um we can get caught up in like well what do we think is a fair price or what do we think that other people will pay and you might end up pricing something you know based on that model but it really makes it it makes it too it makes it too cheap in the sense that it's cheap for them but it's too expensive for you right so let's say i i'm gonna say that my coaching you know uh, a half an hour session is going to be fifty dollars because i think that that's a um that sounds reasonable i want it to be really accessible i want people to do it and then you're doing you know three or four hours of preparation before and after the call and the call um setting up the meeting whatever whatever preparing three or four hours of preparation for that fifty dollars After one, two, three, a week, two weeks, you're going to, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm only getting 50 bucks for all this work. Like, uh, but that's not the, that's not anything to do with um, your service or your customers. It's just, you priced it wrong. You have to consider, well, you know, for all of this work and what value I provide, I think that, you know, um, I'm going to do a package of, you know, one month of coaching meeting once a week for, 
$600. And you're like, oh my God, like that sounds so expensive. Who's going to pay for that? But if you know that the work that you're putting into it, like getting that $600 is going to make you excited and energized and be able to do the work, um, then that's where you need to price it because pricing it lower just to get to, because you think that that's what only people will pay, you will end up stopping doing it because it will not be enough. It will, it will not be enough to support your effort and you will feel that it is not an even value exchange. I'm giving all of this value and I'm only getting this small amount back. So pricing, you really have to let go of kind of, um, of trying to preconceive what other people are thinking and really base it on yourself. You can even do like, I want my annual salary to be, you know, whatever. I want my annual salary to be this and divide it and see that's how much I have to make a month. So how many, and just go by there um, to make the price because it has to, it has to reflect and meet your needs for you to engage in the work. Yeah. I love what Marie Folio always says. She says, I am expensive, but worth it.com. <laughs> Yes, yes, so, exactly. Because if you and I know, yourself. and my coaching is um, a significant in, in investment, and I, um, I'm, I, I'm aware of that, and I also know that like I can't help everyone. It's only for those who are really ready, and it's like we were talking. It's hard work. It's hard work for you to go inward and deal with all of these things that come up. So they have to be ready. Um, to make that investment, to do the hard work, to make the investment of their time, investment of their energy, and then yes, the investment of their finances, because it's also hard work for me. Um, and so yes, I am expensive, but it'll be worth it for and that you also have to know you're not serving everyone, you're just serving, yeah, you only need exactly. to serve a few people. There's yeah, an ideal customer you should you should look for. Now, also, another thing is um, that you're mentioning is you need to make sure that you know where you want your clients to be because you can't um, set up coaching and then have someone who starts from zero and another from minus 100 and another from 50. Like you have to make like this standard of saying, okay, you, for example, say I only coach a specific type of person that's already on that level. And then you know where to coach them from. And you know also at that level, they will be able and they will be willing to pay for my services because I can get them to the next level. That's more, that makes it more um, specific, like you say. Those are amazing tips. Thank you so much for sharing them. And the last question is actually a question that you can ask the audience anything that we talked about today or anything that interests you from under, like understanding from the audience that they can leave in the comments below. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'd love to hear what stood out for you. What um, is, you know, the biggest takeaway or biggest aha that you had from our conversation? Leave it in the comments. I'd love to hear that. Perfect. I love that. Okay, thank you so much for uh, coming on this podcast. And I hope everyone took notes because there was so much interesting value from understanding the relationship to yourself, to being intentional, to, you know, make creating boundaries, especially during this lockdown, especially for yourself, to going into coaching and what you should uh, price yourself at. It's beautiful content. Thank you so much, Sahara, for this. You're thank welcome. You thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. 
I hope you love this conversation and you got a lot of value out of it. Leave down in the comments what are the key takeaways that you took from our conversation. And if you think someone needs to hear this message, please share it with her. And don't forget, if you want to win giveaways, check us out on Instagram at ShareDiversity. And if you yourself want to get into coaching, you want to start a brand and you want to get known online, make sure you check out our Start the Right Brand Guide to work on your own personal brand or book a coaching call with me so we can walk you through the steps of creating your personal brand and going public with it. And hey, don't forget, if you want to get your review heard in our next shout out, get on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or however you want to call it and rate this podcast. Write a review, check us out on social media and leave your review there. It really means the world to me. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum.